This is Tim Roller. This is my podcast, Over It, and I am joined today by Ryan Alford. And hey, bro, what's up, man? What are you over? I'm. <laughs> How long we got like, for this? Why podcast? don't we? Just, this is what I want you to think about for the next few minutes. Just think about the one thing that is like has been eating at you, and you kind of struggle with it. And one day you wake up and go, you know what? I'm over it. I always think, you know, that there's 7 billion people in the world next. You don't have to put up with people you don't want to put up with because there's too many out there. You think my ex-wife will listen to this? Can I talk? <laughs> Probably as long as the check's cash, right? Yeah, all right. Well, they're still cashing. <laughs> all right, I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah, you think about it. So anyway, I'm a, I'm a photographer, and Ryan is a, a marketing master. And so I'm, I'm really glad to have him on the program. And, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you do, man. Well, you know, I own an agency, an ad agency. I've been in the ad agency business for 18 years. Is it called Boring or is it called? Uh, it's not over it yet, hopefully. Uh, we try not to be that cynical yet. but uh, No, it, it's, that was kind of a setup to, you know, it's not boring, it's radical. Radical. Sorry I didn't take the cheese. Yeah, it's okay. I'll lob another one over the plate here in a minute. <laughs> but it's got to be real obvious, you know. I gotta... okay. Hey, can someone give me a whiteboard? <laughs> I can make yeah. a sign. Make me notes, yeah. yeah. But we're filming this too, right? So we got both sides of it. They can't see us behind the curtain. Yeah. So yeah, 18 years in marketing. Uh, I've had a couple side ventures. We've all done little things on the side, but been in the game for 18 years. Uh, started here in G Vegas, Greenville, at Irwin Penland, which is now EP & Co., I uh, started as a little junior account executive on the account management side on the agency. Agency business is really, it's gotten better and radical is kind of changing this game. But when you go into an ad agency, it's like two sides. It's like, there's the creatives. All the ideas are over here and the guys that get all the shit done over there. And you know, I've always thought the, the ad agencies that I've been involved with over the years, you got the creatives that make no money and do all the freaking work and the executives that like to sit around and and make all the money. Now, this is in the bigger agencies, not the little ones. But is that the way it is? Uh, not anymore. Not since I've been in it. The, the good creatives get paid really well. And the good executives get paid well, too. But there's a, there's a I think, on both sides, kind of that under level. Because when I was a junior AE in 2001, I, was, I started at $22,000 a year. That's on the low end even in 2001. For right. a college degree, marketing, you know, Clemson, you know, you, most of my friends, not as dumb or brilliant, either one, I'm not sure which one it is at this stage in my career, but to, to start in an ad agency, you kind of take what you can get, because everyone thought, ooh, ad agency, all cool, so yeah. they can pay you shit. And so did they have a basketball court in your, like, where you worked? They we did. That's cool. actually that's the thing about you see on TV these ad agencies they have basketball courts and pinball machines. I was sold. I walked in. They had foosball, cool office, basketball goal. I'm like, ah, this is my dream. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And I interview and uh, they go, here's the offer. And you know, this was after like the fifth meeting. Like for a junior A position, I think they interviewed 25 people and. You know, that's how competitive it was. So I was lucky enough to make it through that round. And then, you know, you're excited. And, you know, you're not ex – I wasn't expecting 38. But, you know, here's the offer slotted across the table or the email, whatever it was at the time. 22 grand, I'm like, 
Oh, that basketball goal. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so started there, worked uh, on the Verizon wireless account. Yeah. Uh, it was a $3 million piece of business when I started. And I worked on other pieces of business at the agency. But over a 12-year career at EP&Co, I took with my teams $3 million to roughly $45 million over 10 to 12 years for the agency. That's, you know, and, and wireless, of course, is it, it's I'm, I'm older. So I remember when um, there was no thought of a cell phone. There was no I mean, it was not even in the purview of anybody. Um, and now it's a necessity. I mean, how does something become a necessity in just 10 years or less? Yeah. Is that you know it's been it's been long enough. Gosh, time's flying. Time's flying. It's about eighteen Man. years. Like when I was in college, the first phone I had a cell phone like my sophomore year that no text messaging. It was just one step above a pager. You could actually be called. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't a bag phone that my dad had in high school. I had a bag phone. Oh, I remember the bag <laughs> phone. My dad had that. I thought that's cool. <laughs> you can be called in the phone in the in the car. You can get a phone call, and uh, that was cool. But yeah, so marketing ad agency game went to New York. Worked there for five years. Still on the Verizon business. Now, did also, you have a car in New York? Hell no. You just like there was no Uber. No, Uber. it was just taxi and walk. Yep. And you know, five miles in New York is like a hundred miles here. Yeah. Because I remember I had to do a, a job in New York and. I say, yeah, I'm only five miles away from the office. They go, Tim, that's a long way. Yep. You really need to move closer. <laughs> um, so anyway, you were in New York. New York. Worked on a number of large accounts. Um, worked with the who's who of New York agencies. Uh, lived there. Kept a home in Greenville. Greenville's always been home. It kept a home here. Had the apartment there. Uh, was back and forth. Uh, my first marriage didn't make it through. That travel, uh, unfortunately, there were other reasons too. Um, a lot of them my fault, um, but uh, you know we won't re- we won't take off the uh, the scab on every scar. Hopefully, but uh, the uh, well, it's a, you know it's important. I don't I hate to interrupt you, but it's important to just get over your your stuff. I mean, that's what this this podcast is about: learning how to get over the stuff that trips you up and that you can't get over. Yep. So you know what? It didn't work out. Or you screwed it up, or she screwed up, or whoever. It doesn't matter. It's just time to move on. Yeah, move on. Just just get over it and move on. Go ahead. Yeah. So did the New York thing till early fourteen. Came back here, had a side venture in the in the car business, which was what I call a um, successful failure. <laughs> Would you learn? That mean you learned a whole lot. I learned a lot. <laughs> uh, lost a lot of money. Uh, you know. I, the money wasn't even really yet. It was part of it, um, but it was more just I realized I didn't want to be in the car business the rest of my life. More yeah, than I've been there. And so sometimes you have to spend money to uh, learn a lesson. Education is very expensive. Yeah. College is expensive, but like street education is more expensive than Yale. Yeah. It, it, oh, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So did that, and then got back. In, but I was great at the marketing in the car business, you know, so it was like it was a continuation of marketing for me. Um, but then 
got back in the agency business, a um, couple other stops, and then started Radical. And so, but it, it's all been grounded. Marketing has always been the thread. Probably one of the rare people to graduate with a marketing degree and stay in the marketing field. So, was there one like one like pivotal moment where you said, "I'm starting Radical. I'm over all this all nonsense." Yeah. What was the moment? It, uh, having worked at enough agencies, you know what was unique about the the EP experience was we worked with dozens of agencies. And so where I was with one company, and Hill Holiday bought Irwin Pillman in 2004, large agency out of Boston, a great, great agency, great people. Um, but working with a lot of large big agencies, even though I was under the umbrella of EP, I worked with a ton of, I felt like I worked at like six different agencies, even though it was really one corporate umbrella with all the experiences and then coming back here and doing kind of getting back into that again after the car thing about 18 months into that I was like I can't don't get me wrong it's not that I could never work for someone again so it wasn't even that but I knew that I knew enough to do it my way and that I can help people and when you don't own it and you don't control some of the key things or you feel like you're being second-guessed uh, on things. That, and not because I was always right. I didn't have every answer at any agency I've been. But my gut's been right. And the clients that I've worked with, generally speaking, have been successful. And so I was just over-answering to someone else. At 17, 16, 17 years of doing it and being relatively successful, I was very much over uh, answering to anyone else on marketing specifics. Did you ever fear getting fired? You know, that was actually part of the reason, um, f- but the the last place I left, you know, I felt very ineffective because I wasn't able to really bring to life what's already proving successful at Radical. Like... It's working. Everything yeah. that I wanted to do in my last job, what I was trying, everything that I was trying to breathe in to the last company that I worked for, everything. And, it, and it, again, not perfect, don't have all the answers, but it's working. That, that strategy that I'm deploying now, which I tried to deploy there, but hit opposition. Yeah. And, and maybe the wrong clients. There's might have been a lot of things, but I did feel like, I was like, I'm either going to get fired or I'm going to quit. And it was going to be one or the other. Yeah. I always looked, whenever my phone rang when I worked for someone, and I saw it was the, 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 the guy, I was always, that, I was fear. It, it, fear gripped me of getting fired. Because I'd been fired a couple times from really crappy jobs. But it hurt so much. Yeah. Yeah, you're just scared. Oh, man, they fire me. What will I do tomorrow? That's right. It's amazing how you, how fear can control a lot of your... And, and I was in that, especially the last few months at the last place, and I've had that fear before. I, I do joke sometimes when you're, I'm, I consider myself a hybrid creative account guy. You know, all the creatives that work for me, worked with me over the years probably laughing if they hear this. But um, I think there's like the really good account people. You, you're really good because you have this innate ability that you think every client's about to fire you. So you move and react, 
and respond really quickly. You're responding to every email. Oh, they're going to fire us. I know they're going to fire us. I know they're getting rid of us. She just wants to fire us. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? And I think that's like every good account person, I think, always has that in the back of their head. And so, yeah, like I always felt that way. And it was like, but I think it's what grew me, like that fear. <laughs> I think it's what, it's funny though, but I think it's like the, if you're anyone that's listening to this that's been an account management at an ad agency, they are nodding their head right now if they're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's getting fired from the client. Getting fired by the client. Or I, I wasn't so much at the agency, the last agency being different just because of varying views with leadership and where I was in the organization. But at the other agencies, I was very rarely scared of being, you know, I was more worried if we lost an account, then you get fired because if the business goes away, you're a headcount. Yeah. And so you're, you're on a staffing plan. Yeah. And so it was less, I'm getting fired by the agency, even we're keeping this account, and I'm going to go away anyway. No, it was more, that account goes away, you go away. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay, have I given you enough time, the one thing, the one thing? The one thing that I'm over now, or was, we kind of talked about you know, it's funny, you went there, you know, you're good, you, you know your topics already, you know, but my one instance of truly, I'm a pretty patient guy, believe it or not, even though type A in a lot of no, ways. No, I'd say you're patient, you've had to put up with my crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I warned you, when I can't, see, 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 Ryan, Ryan and his company, like, they, they helped me. And and when, when he started, I said, "Now, now, bro, you got to understand." I said, "We well, do this. Too. I'm gonna sign this piece of paper, but you got to understand, I am at times a whiner and a complainer and high maintenance, and I have fear. And when I have fear, you're gonna have to listen to me talk for a while. And you've done a good job with that. Oh, well, talk me off that. the ledge. Talk you off the ledge. Yeah." I yell at you sometimes, not yeah. in a bad way, hopefully in a coaching way. I try yeah. to coach. And if you yell too loud, I always go, you're making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, By the way, this is just like, if, if ever someone's like yelling at you, if you look at them and you say, in a, in a soft voice, you're making me feel uncomfortable, <laughs> it's like... It's the best thing to say to someone because it'll they'll go, oh my gosh, I'm hurting this person. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but you went there like the one thing I was truly over was what made me start radical. So you went there. I mean, it was like innate ability there, but like I that was a moment in time when I started radical where it was I was over it, yeah. you know, and I was over feeling having that like. So many other variables outside of my control were causing doubt. Even though I felt like I've done this long enough, I know the strategies that can help business. I know the marketing strategies that an agency should deploy to promote themselves. And that doubt, and you start doubting yourself. When others not necessarily doubt you, but doubt the, the ideas, then you start to doubt yourself. Yeah. Even even if you are, and I'm, you know, I'm a tall guy, and isn't all, that a, isn't and that like, tough? And like, so everyone thinks that you're cocky or that you know everything yeah. or like that you don't have self doubt or like all these things. I've dealt with that my whole life. Yeah, you know? <laughs> people, people, you know, when I'm dealing with someone that's shorter than me, I like try to s- sit down 
or lean on something because they just automatically look at me and like, you're tall, we hate you. Yep. And then there's the other side, like, you're tall, we like you. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, you're tall. But, you know, so they, it's not about being cocky, but, you know, it's there's always that assumption. But nonetheless, was over it in that instance, which led me to start radical. And now, you know, like, now I'm really happy. That's cool. I mean, you know, we all have trials and tribulations and things I've, you know, we don't have enough time for me to go through every tribulation. But, uh, you know, I've got a great wife. I've got great kids. I've got great people supporting and working with me. I've got great clients like yourself. Um, it, you know, every day is a challenge. But, you know, I've kind of reached this point where if there's anything that bothers me or I can keep it in perspective, I think some of that comes with age. You yeah. Know? I'm 41 now. I'm not 28 anymore. You know, like it's mellowed me out a bit. Yeah, that's one of my drums. Um, a, there is no replacement for age. Yeah. Except age. <laughs> it's true. So if you're really young and you think you know it all, look, I get up in the morning. When I was 21, I got up in the morning. I had all, all the answers. And I get up today and I go, okay, what am I going to learn today? What's going to hit me in the mouth today? There, was there one guy? Like with me, I think there was like four. Um, other than your dad. I mean, if, if, if it's your dad, it's your dad. Yeah. But is there, was there one guy other than, your, other than family that just like, when you're going through your day, you go, okay, I don't know what to do here. What would so-and-so do? You know, the, my first, it wasn't my, he wasn't my direct boss when I first started, but Alan Bosworth, who was one of the co-owners of Irwin Penland, he started it right after Joe Irwin, Joe and Gretchen Irwin started EP uh, with Alan. Alan came on like almost immediately when they started. So Alan was kind of my boss for 10 years. Whether at all times maybe I had someone in between him, but the last five years of my career, he was my you know direct boss, and he was very sage and very. He was not a mentor in the that he would like pull me in a room and rah rah rah, but I really drew from him inspiration for how to lead and how to. I don't know, manage myself, manage clients. And, you know, he might even, what's even admirable is if like, if for some, who knows if he would ever hear this, but he probably would be surprised to even hear this because he doesn't even think of himself in that way. But he was definitely someone that I drew from in my career, you know, for how to, how to really model like taking care of a client and really helping me strategically think. Because that's something that comes with age and time. You know, my it's funny. One of my good friends, uh, Jeff Hoffman, who's at, who's the chief growth officer, at one of the fastest growing agencies uh, in the U.S. Uh, wildly successful. They've had like they've won John Deere, Morgan Stanley, like some of the largest accounts in the world this year. And we were talking because we both worked with Alan, but we were talking that how age, you know, back to the discussion things that we struggled with like when we were 25 and 30 in the business that now come so innately for us in hearing a problem or hearing something from a client and being able to hash out a strategy and plan to get there and that 
that just comes with time and experience. And I think the people that have had most impact over me that I would consider my mentors never knew they were mentors. Yeah. Uh, mentors. Uh, that's some lazy talking. Isn't it? <laughs> never knew they were mentors. Yeah. Because I think about some of these men and, um, and, and I, I always think back to the most successful guys or women. There were no women that, that, that were my, ended up being my mentors, but these successful guys that I just kind of go, oh my gosh, this is a kind of a situation. And one of my guys is Bob Stats. He's gone now. And he was an attorney. And, uh, you know, we were never friends. And I never worked for him or with him. But we went to, went to church together and we did socialize sometime. And um, he would, I watched literally, he was so successful. I watched everything he did. And if he was talking, I was shutting up and I was listening. He has no idea. I mean, again, he's gone. His kids probably have no idea. His wife doesn't no idea. But, you know, he had such an impact on my life. Didn't even know it. It's like what you said with your guy. Yeah. And what he taught me indirectly was an ability to keep your mouth shut and to listen. Because Alan would sit in a meeting and we'd have 12 people at a table like about what we have here. And we'd sit around that table, and the creatives would be sharing work, and you know, whether it's internal or clients. And Alan would just sit there. And you knew he was thinking, because he's a brilliant guy. And he'd sit there, he'd listen to all the points of view, and get it all. He'd absorb listening. And then he would spell out, you know, here's what I think. And he would never command it on anyone, but he would just give his point of view. And it was always brilliant, you know. And he didn't have every answer, but I think... I watched him and how he listened and how he absorbed and you know communication and that taught me as much as anything in my career because I think everyone's in such a hurry especially in this business with marketing we're all you know look at me kind of things I mean that's what you do in marketing you're yeah. trying to get people to look at you it's exhausting it is you know you got to come up with some Instagram post and you got to come up with some words to say yeah, man, I'm, you know, you got to live the dream if you're going to, you know, you know, whatever the statement is. And, um, and, and, and it's not what you think it is. It's not what people think it is. Oh. It's not near as fun. No, it's not. But, you know, great mentor. Um, definitely someone I learned from. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you having me yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I guess it's time to tie up. Drop me a line anytime you want. Tim at timroller.com is my email address. Uh, we'll see you all later. And have a good one.